Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No John, just because it's summer doesn't mean you can sit around on your backside all day. Uh, skip. You never take me anywhere. Skip. Man, I'm telling you, go paleo. It'll change your life. Skip, skip, skip. Don't get stuck with sounds you don't want to hear. Get Spotify Premium Free with Vodafone X Music. Plus 20 gigs of 4G data for just 20 euro top up. Fuel your beats with free Spotify Premium. Search Vodafone X to find out more. For full terms, conditions, and limitations, including our fair usage policy, see Vodafone.ie. Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghost, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here are your supernatural hosts, Patricia Baker and Becky Andreasen. Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I am your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my terrific co-host, Becky Andreessen. How are you tonight, Becky? Hi, Patricia. I'm fine. How are you? I am fine. I'm enjoying these incredibly weird and warm temperatures here in Massachusetts. It's up in the 50s. And here we are in December, but I'm not complaining. I'm loving it. <laughs> I know. Same in Virginia. It's highs of 62 right now. It's crazy. <laughs> it is, but I know. I, I mean, gosh, we're so used to shoveling our way through winter. It's kind of nice to have these warm temperatures. But I wonder what's around the corner. We're not even going to go Uh-oh. there, though. <laughs> yeah, let's but, not go there, right? No, we're not going there. We're not going there. <laughs> yeah. But, Tonight is our last show of 2013. I know. It's amazing. Where did the time go? Yeah. Yeah. We've been in a a time tunnel, I think, where things are going way too fast. And tonight we have a very special guest for everybody, world-famous UFO abductee Travis Walton. And Travis is the author of the book Fire in the Sky. And there was a movie of the same name made about his experience and an also an excellent docudrama 
on the television series Paranormal Witness, which I saw today. It was terrific. And we're going to bring Travis on in just a few minutes, but I have to say this is going to be quite a conversation tonight because, Becky, you are another famous UFO abductee. Yes, we speak the <laughs> same language. You guys do. Know, so for, for those yeah. of you in the audience who don't already know this, Becky Andreasen is the daughter of UFO legend Betty Andreasen of The Andreasen Affair. And Becky has had her own alien abduction experiences, which she's going to be sharing with Travis tonight and with all of us. So this is going to be an epic conversation between the two of you. So I'm going to sit back and listen and let you guys go for it in just a few minutes here. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> wonderful. To, yes, it's going to be great. I just want to remind everybody to go to our website, supernaturalgirlswithaz.com, and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can receive all the latest show information, discounts on products from EnterHealth, Wise Choice Market, the Organic Wine Company, and even more. We also have our Supernatural store with products and services to light your way. And our holiday gift to you is a 10% discount for all our listeners on private readings that are scheduled through the month of December, which is coming to a close. So. Be sure also to stay tuned to the entire show because at the end of every show, Becky delivers a message from the elders to one of our listeners. So I'm sure you won't have any problem staying with us tonight. This is really going to be great. So Travis Walton's abduction began on November 5, 1975 in the Arizona Apache Sitgreaves National Forest. Travis was one of a seven-man crew that was clearing trees on a government contract. After the end of the workday, all of the crew jumped into foreman Mike Rogers' pickup truck and began their trip home. But it wasn't a usual trip because as they drove, they were shocked to see a luminous object shaped like a flattened disc by the side of the road. So, Travis, welcome to the show. Welcome, Travis. Yeah, good to be with you. Well, thanks. Thanks for taking your time to join us. And this is an amazing experience that you had. uh, You've had it from all sides. You've got it from the extraterrestrials, and then you you had uh, a lot of difficult times with just human beings trying to understand your story. But please, tell our audience that night. Take us back to that night in 1975. I know you've told this story a million times, but everybody wants to hear it in your own words. <laughs> well, um, well, um, we'd uh, just uh, finished a long day's work, and uh, you know everybody was t- pretty tired. But you know how in the movie it makes it look like uh, we had uh, you know been driving for some time and become drowsy, but actually it, we hadn't driven very far, and so we were still in a very alert state of mind because of the physical labor we'd just recently been doing. But um, uh, when I first caught sight of these little glimmers of light coming through the trees up ahead, it wasn't anything that seemed alarming or anything like that. It was just something out of the ordinary because, you know, you're driving through the woods at night and it's going to be pretty dark and that's about it, you know. Right. But uh, the closer we got, the stranger it seemed. Uh, and um, 
it wasn't like everybody noticed it all at once and called attention to it. It was just kind of gradually people who were talking started noticing and and looking in the same direction, and pretty soon we were saying, well, what in the heck is that? Um, we were traveling Now, you didn't south. have any electrical malfunctions, did you? Because I know in a lot of abduction reports there's something that goes wild with the radio or the engine of the car or the lights or something like that, but you didn't have any of that, did you? Well, uh, this was an older vehicle that didn't have an electronic ignition, and uh, the radio wasn't on, so we didn't notice anything in that way. But um, um, we were traveling um, south, up the, um, kind of paralleling the crest of this uh, ridge, and um, the ridge was to our right. And at first I was thinking that perhaps uh, some deer hunters uh, were camped uh, up there, but the light was coming from higher than ground level. What color and was the light? It was a golden glow. A it, golden glow. You know, glow. in the movie they made it look reddish, but it was yeah. It was more of a golden color. And um, I could see that there was a, a break in the trees ahead to where the light was shining onto the road. And so I said, Mike, hurry up and get up there where we can see it. Because you know, by then everybody in the crew was saying, oh, what is that, what is that, you know. Mm-hmm. So... As soon as we uh, got up to that point, you know, we sort of burst into the clearing there, and wham, there it was. It was just the most um, shocking, amazing sight. Uh, you know, most of us were just kind of shocked into silence, but uh, Alan Dallas in the back yelled out, it's a spaceship, or a flying saucer, <laughs> something like that. I mean, it was unmistakable. You know, this is in, in a kind of a counterpoint to what the uh, uh, debunkers usually uh, came up with. They, they were saying all we saw was the planet Jupiter, you know. But this was less than 100 feet away. Range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was a close range. There was no way really? there was a point of light in the sky. Oh, wow. Now, was it making you, any sound that you could hear at that point? Yeah, as soon as, I, as soon as the truck stopped, I got out and started towards it, and I could hear the sound it was making. Um the, the parts of it were very high and parts of it very low, and the parts that were high carried the best. So that was what the crew described as being some. They called it a beeping noise, but it was more of a it was more of an alternating sort of a high pitch, high frequency cycle sort of thing. But there was also this really low kind of a rumble that you could actually feel in your body more than just hear with your ears, you know. Yeah, wow. And as I proceeded towards it, you know, I I was thinking that it would take off before I got close enough to be in any great danger, but uh, it didn't. And so I slowed down, and uh, I was looking up at it. It was just, it was just incredibly perfect and in it shiny in its surface you know there wasn't like metal panels overlapping or rivets or anything like that it was like glass even though parts of it were giving off light and parts of it were metallic uh it was just a smooth surface that was reflecting the surroundings so it wasn't like um 
super bright. You know, like in my experience, something was that I had seen, different things, were very bright, but it was a soft bright so that... Oh, yeah, this was, this was know, very soft. Yeah. Soft glow. Yeah. You know, it wasn't so bright that I couldn't see the details right. of the shape, the hard edges of it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so... Um, so you're, you're, standing, you're standing underneath the ship, and you, yeah. you're noticing how beautiful it is. But at what point did you start to get scared? Because here you were in the presence of something otherworldly. Yeah, well, actually, I was scared from the very first moment. But I was, oh. I was taking a chance, uh, thinking that, you know, it would take off before I got... Oh, you know, it was a little bit of a show-off thing there, you know, with the rest of the crew. They were extremely alarmed and yeah. were yelling at me to get away from there. And uh, and um, really getting pretty anxious. And when when uh, it's, it started to move and got louder, I, I dove for cover. Oh. And, and I sort of stopped because there was a pile of logging debris there, but... Uh, you know, there was another couple of steps to get down behind a log that was sticking out of the pile there. And I was hiding behind that. And by then, the, the crew was just frantic, screaming at me to uh, get back in the truck. And uh, I didn't really need to be told, of course. I was thinking, how am I going to get out of this situation here? <laughs> you know, and so I decided I would leave the cover of the log and run back to the uh, truck. And uh, so I stood up to run. And that's that's when the energy hit me. Oh and, my gracious! Um, in the movie, it, it oddly enough, Hollywood uh, missed a, an opportunity to, you know, have a real light show. You know how Hollywood is, because they really yeah. downplayed how it really was. It was such a blast of energy that the crew compared it to uh, me having stepped on a landmine or a grenade going off. You know. And it oh, threw me through the goodness. air, you know, ten or twenty feet, and they—it was so so violent that they immediately started screaming. They said that I that I'd killed me, and they, you know, believed that I was dead. Mm. Um, yeah, because you got thrown. Uh, they said what, fifteen to twenty feet in the air? Yeah, and you know the way my body was tumbling through this ball of energy. Um, when they got down the road there, uh, Dwayne Smith told the crew that he thought it, it disintegrated me. But, um, you know, Steve, he said, no, I kept my eyes on him. And he was in one piece when he hit the ground. But they um, they went and tried to catch some deer hunters that went by, and they couldn't find them. But um, when they started back... Um, Ken Peterson said that the scariest part to him was not that the uh, aliens would still be there because they did see the craft uh, take off. Uh, he said the scariest thing to him was seeing my body, you know, what, what he could expect, you know, that I would be all charred or something really horrific. Yeah, well, that big blast I would have thought something like that, too, with a huge blast like that. Yeah. Well, well crewman um, John Gallette said um, that, you know, although he had been to Vietnam, that was the scariest thing of his entire life. 
And, you know, that's saying a lot. It is. Yeah. And what about you? Did you? How did you feel when you were shot with that light? It was like being hit by a truck or electrocuted, kind of both at the same time, really. Um, and uh, I lost consciousness. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people have the misconception that the beam... Um, lifted me off the ground, you know, that I was, like, beamed aboard or anything. But um, since I was unconscious and the crew, you know, uh, had fled, uh, no one really knows how I was taken aboard. It's possible there was some sort of levitating device, but it's also possible, you know, who knows how it was done. Mm. Wow. So that's not a memory that you could uh, reclaim yeah, through any of the hypnosis sessions that you underwent. Right. So I just woke up, um, and I was already on. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But the crew, you know, when they were unable to find me... Um, went to report it to the sheriff, and uh, the sheriff could tell that, you know, something really traumatic had happened because, you know, some of the guys were still crying. But um, being a lawman, they um, immediately became suspicious that this crazy, wild story was a cover-up for maybe some kind of foul play, you know, that maybe there'd been a fight and maybe, you know, I'd been killed and they decided to cover it up. So um, the sheriff brought in the uh, state police lie detector expert to test the man. And um, during the search, there was quite a lot of pressure on the men um, uh, with the accusation of murder. And so, you know, they actually brought up the whole idea, well, test us, give us sodium pentothal or lie detector, whatever you want. But uh, John said that when they were, you know, helping out with the search, that the sheriff made sure to put an officer with each of the crewmen who, you know, pushed at them throughout the, their time together to try to get them to um, fess up, you know, you know, trying to say, well, maybe it was Alan that killed Travis, and, you know, if you cover up for it, then you'll be liable too. And so just tell us and, and everything will be okay for you, you know. Well, thank God they brought you back because it sounded like this event touched everyone's life in such a crazy way. I mean, even everything that you had to went through just to prove, you know, what happened to you, it, yeah. it was just uh, incredible. You know, how, how much proof does it take? I mean, yeah. you know, um, Dr. Harder made the the point that, you know, the six crewmen passing those lie detector tests uh, would have been, you know, heck, without the lie detector test, if six people say that they saw, say, a robbery or a murder, uh, that would be sufficient for conviction right. in any American court. Exactly. Right. 
you know, here here they actually passed lie detector tests too, and uh, still people just didn't want to believe it. They just anything they to explain it away if they could. Yeah, and, they didn't want to face UFOs. Yeah, and so yeah, that was I guess, it. Right. I guess that's a lot, a lot tougher to to uh, face than than possible murder or something. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, they still do that today half the time, and it's supposed to be, you know, all accepted and known it's real, and there's still denials out there and people going through all that type of thing. So, uh, really, it's amazing. Well, people who resist the idea will say, oh, well, you know, polygraph's not perfect, but, you know, at that time, the president of the American Polygraph Association, Edward Gelb, uh, said that the odds, and he was talking about this case, the odds of, um, you know, there being any kind of mistake when you've got six people passing really, tests right. on, the, on the same issue are over a million to one. There and, you go. Um, but yeah. that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. Six <laughs> tests wasn't <laughs> enough. So now, you know, we're up to 16 tests uh, uh, in connection with this incident. You know, I've, I've passed five from three different examiners, all with years of uh, law enforcement experience. So... It just seems that when people don't want to believe, never mind the facts, never mind the kind of evidence that would be persuasive in another circumstance. That's That's right. That's true. What really amazed me was in the sheriff, after everything that he saw and heard and the lie detector test that he reviewed, uh, he still wouldn't believe it. And he went on camera saying that. You know, he said, I'm still yeah, waiting for the truth to come He does say that out. publicly, but you know what? I've gotten two or three different emails from people who know him, uh, friends and relatives, who say that privately, he's not that skeptical. Really? That, you know, because he's an elected official, his public stance is one of skepticism. And, you know, that wins him more points with his cronies. But, um... You know, and, and you know, after seeing the paranormal witness, you know, I, I imagine he would have to feel kind of silly, you know, because he here's the the top lie detector expert in the state of Arizona. I mean, the state police official polygraph examiner saying he'll stake his reputation on the accuracy of these tests, and the sheriff's going, "No, I just wonder what really happened," you know, yeah. <laughs> it makes him seem kind of foolish, you know. Yeah, well, and maybe they just want to slap him. Gee, I mean, wake up! <laughs> no, I know it. Gee whiz! Well, how did you feel? I I seen seen the movie and read your book, both wonderful. And how, let it let us know how you felt when you woke up. Well. The overpowering sensation of pain was the, was the yeah. main feeling there. Um, I didn't come to completely. It was just kind of in and out for a long period of time. And, and what I, type of pain, Travis? Was it like a burning? Was it, you yeah. know, yeah, like a burning, burning, like you were? Mm-hmm. It, it was mostly centered in my head and chest, you know, and that that's where most of the energy hit me. Uh, According to the crew, so mm. it was probably a side effect of that. Although it could be that the atmosphere inside that craft wasn't. Perfect. Yes, I wondered about that too because that was kind of like stuffy and hot and no circulation of air, right? Right. It was very hot and humid. Yes, and they had this machine or this piece that was over you 
that uh, you had knocked off and it it sh- shine green green light. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> now that contraption looked very odd in in the way yeah. that it was placed over Travis's chest, and I can I mean we can only speculate obviously what in the world that was yeah, for. You know whether it was some kind of a treatment device or merely something to view or run some kind of test, you know. Yeah, I wonder you know, if it was healing. Or treatment, you know. Yeah, maybe treatment, maybe healing you, you know, from from all that electricity. Well, you know, those... whatever it was, um, mm-hmm. when, when I became, you know, saw them and just became hysterical at the, at the situation mm-hmm. I was in, um, I moved away from them, and when they... Uh, started to come towards me, I grabbed an object that was laying there and swung it at them in a very threatening way. So they stopped out of reach. But at that moment, they were all three staring at me in this very invasive, intrusive kind of a way that just seemed like their eyes were just boring into me. And mm. that was, you know, th- that was where my, my nightmares came from for months afterwards, uh, was, was, uh, was that moment right there it was a, it was a very intrusive and excruciating it was kind of a squirmy feeling in my head and um it's only you know in later years that i figured out what probably was going on there that they were trying to uh reassert control over me that they were uh-huh. doing this in unison and it wasn't working because obviously I was in a, in a position to do some harm to them, being very much, even though I was weak, you know, I was much larger than they were. Uh, mm-hmm. And strongly in a defensive mode. Yeah. So um, I figured out that perhaps the reason they couldn't control me was probably because when the beam, the energy hit me, it uh, jumbled up the the neurons temporarily, yeah. temporarily because um, <laughs> after I was returned, uh, I was uh, put into uh, the world-famous Barrels Neurological Institute for a brainwave scan, an EEG. Mm-hmm. And the technician was not told who I was or what had happened. He was just, you know, to look for signs of, uh, uh, you know, trauma or you right. know, dysfunction of some kind. And he did find an unusual pattern that he commented on in the report. And wow. the fact that he didn't know who I was makes it even more um, uh, significant because, um, you know, um, the reason I was, you know, under an assumed name is because the media pressure was just incredible to the point where just going out and getting back in the car in the parking lot at the hospital, they said, there he is, and they were chasing us through traffic. Yeah. It was it was really pretty crazy. But that yeah. um, odd pattern, I think, um, uh, might be um, why they were unable to control me. So as a follow-up here, 38 years later, I plan to have another EEG done, and hopefully in blinded in the same way to where the technician doesn't know what he's looking for. And, yeah, uh, that sounds great. So that if he sees that, also to take that original EEG report and have a, a, a modern-day neuroscientist uh, interpret it 
in terms of what what kind of um, conditions would you know cause this sort of a thing uh, um, electrocution or you know wh- what mm-hmm. kinds of things might cause that uh, sort of pattern. So that's you know there's still follow up uh, uh, research to be done in connection with this. For yeah, example, that's fascinating. It was discovered that, really that the trees nearest where this yeah. thing had hovered uh, started growing at a phenomenal rate afterwards. And you can tell by growth rings in the trees, you know. Uh, no matter whether a tree goes fast or slow, it's always one growth ring per year. Well, um, the growth ring suddenly became dramatically thicker. And it was so it, went, to count it grew back. quick the number of rings, yeah. So they were yeah. producing uh, wood fiber uh, at a maximum, the trees closest to the craft, uh, at 36 times the rate that they had been growing uh, in the previous uh, years. The, well, the you know, sample, that's interesting. It was 85 years of thin rings and then 15 of okay. thick rings that actually, in that 15 years, doubled the size of an 85 Oh, my tree. goodness. So that was um, growing at a faster pace or faster rate, yeah. you're saying, right? Okay, mm-hmm. you were on the ship for five days and thought you were only there for how long? And a day or an hour and a half or something, you, a short period of time? That shows a time movement quicker also. Well, um, um, you know, when, my, when my, I was recovered by my... Um, uh, brother-in-law and brother. Um, I was under the impression it was still the same night. So oh when I, when it became ev- evident to them that that was, you know, they, it, it, my brother said, Travis, you've been gone for five days. And he so you could feel your face, and I could feel that I had a five-day growth of beard. And so, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, there's this theory that time slows down when you near the speed of light and that kind of stuff. But in this case, I don't think that applies because the the rate of my beard growth would have been consistent with five days. Right. Of course, you know, there's who knows what, you know, if they wanted to disguise that, they could just trim it to that length or whatever, you know, or <laughs> whatever sort of artificial healing processes or whatever was going on may have altered my physiology dramatically. So, you know, it's it's still... A lot of speculation and a whole lot of unknown there. That's right. And and these little uh, beings, do they, to you, from what you've known to from other people's experience, do they look a lot like other people's experience with grays and that, or were they? Well, you know, really? back when this happened, they didn't have the term grays, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's my opinion that, you know, based on so many uh, descriptions that I've heard, that people are having the tendency to lump all these creatures together and and consider them to be one species, when I believe that they're probably from a variety of completely different planets, and they just happen to look similar. Yeah, I believe there's a variety, too, out there, because I've seen... Like your experience, um, these grays have been in different color suits, in different places, doing different things. 
And then, of course, we have these other little greys that are around, running around the countryside butt naked. I mean, I've seen <laughs> some of them with nothing, no suits on. It's like, what is going on here? Get Longer arms, shorter on. arms. I agree. Yeah. And then your your humans, too. Uh, they, I've seen uh, humans that look close to what you've experienced, and I called them the twins because... They looked exactly alike, but they had blonde hair and golden blonde hair, like, and their eyes were very bright. They were like a um, hazel green, but you know, with specks sparkly, and they were very bright. And you're the first one I ever heard of the green eyes with gold in it, and that would come to the closest thing of these twins that I've experienced, and that was amazing to me. And, you know, who knows, we, there may be variations amongst them, you know, that we mm-hmm. just happen to look at ones that have a certain look, and who knows, their their friends might be a little different. But uh, the the group that I saw, you know, all of them, uh, were very similar in appearance in a, in a, a family sort of way, a group mm-hmm. of characteristics that, you know, but at the same time, these are people that would pass if they chose to move amongst us. Oh, and it, it did they said nothing to you though? Did they? No, they didn't. They didn't. Nothing. And boy, I really tried because that, that was my greatest fear: is this that I didn't know where I was, I didn't know what was happening to me, and I wanted them to tell me, you know. And With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right. They just weren't responding, and and that just added to my panic that they were being so closed mouthed about it. And and did they give you any looks of you know like the little greys did or the little creatures did that you didn't like? Did they give you any form of indication that they would be harsh with you at all or try to well, control well, you? Well, I don't think they seem menacing. They were mm-hmm. relatively unexpressive, but it's not like their faces were just frozen, you know. Right. But I didn't really recognize much of an expression. It basically seemed kind of um, um, disinterested or unemotional, you know. And, but but that's that's something that we instinctively as humans uh, interpret as hostility. It, yeah. You know, I just saw a a show on TV today where they did an experiment, and this girl just walks up and stares at people. No expression, just stares at them. And it's extremely unnerving. That's just not the way uh, 
normal uh, humans interact. And, uh, and when someone's staring at you, it's basically perceived as a threat. Yeah, I mean, even well, animals interpret it that way. You stare at a dog, right. just oh, look yeah. them in the eye and stare, and they're going to start barking at you. So you think they might have been aggravated at you because you got too close to the ship and, you know, they had to pick you up after you were blasted? Or do you have a theory of that or something? Well, you that know, man... getting myself injured by getting too close, uh, you mm-hmm. know, definitely presented a bunch of problems to them. But I never right. got the idea that they had any emotional reaction to that. But I can understand the situation was, okay, now we're, we're forced to clean up the mess. Uh, yeah. Because otherwise, <laughs> you know, um, it would make it look, you know, here's seven people saying, that, that, or six people saying this guy was killed by this craft, you know. And, right. You know, they, it, that's just, you know, at least that. But I, I figure that they were probably, you know, genuinely trying to, uh, you know, correct the damage to revive me. I think well, so, too. I, yeah, that's yeah. really an interesting theory. And I'm just going to take this opportunity to just have a very short commercial break so we can come right back and hear more from Travis Walton. If you have a question for Travis and Becky also, uh, please call in at 646 four seven eight oh eight two eight so stay tuned everybody we will be right back For a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With Cosmic Fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Bonjour, this is Veronique Raskin, founder of the Organic One Company. As one of the pioneers of the Organic One movement, 
Since 1980, I have brought you the very best and most authentic organic wines directly to your table. I work with small family estates who grow certified organic grapes and produce exceptional wines. You can purchase our wines individually from our website at theorganicwinecompany.com or join one of our wine clubs. Our organic wines are perfect for you and for your family as gifts for friends and relatives, and they are simply spectacular for the holidays. Visit us at theorganicwinecompany.com to enjoy the very best organic wines conveniently delivered to your door. I am Veronique Raskin, passionate about my mission. I offer to you vegan, organic, and biodynamic wines, wines made by people of the heart, wines with a heart. Au revoir. Call us at 1-888-ECO-WINE. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Everybody, we are speaking with Travis Walton. He is the author of Fire in the Sky. And Travis, people can buy your book directly from you now and even get it autographed. Where do they need to go to find that? Well, uh, my website is TravisWalton.com, and that's really the only place you can get the updated edition. Uh, well, you know, there might be a few used copies out there online, but generally they're asking too much for them. Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. So everybody go to TravisWalton.com, and you can buy your book there, and Travis may also autograph it for you. So what a wonderful Christmas present that could be for someone. So, yes. gosh, where were we? Becky, let, uh, let me let you take over here. I know okay. you have a lot of questions. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. Travis, um, did you feel that you had any form of implant? Uh, well, I had upper body x-rays that didn't uh, reveal anything. And mm-hmm. um, there was a, a puncture wound on my arm. I've had a lot of controversy with, with the debunkers trying to claim that that was uh, evidence that this whole experience was a drug hallucination. But oh, the, exa- okay. the examining physician said that it was not over any major blood vessels. So it wouldn't have been an injection mm-hmm. at all anyway. Right. Uh, and um, I don't believe hallucinogens are injected. I think that's a pill people take. But 
the thing of it is, I, I had uh, blood and urine samples that were put through the county medical examiner's drug screen, which proved there were no drugs in my body. And besides the fact that that was on several of my polygraph tests, uh, um, it was, you know, the nonsense about it is that um, how would seven people have the same hallucination? That's right. That's just absurd. That's right. Yes. Totally agree. Totally agree. And what about um, your feeling on, on the ship? Uh, were you, in other words, were, did you remember things like smells or, like, the first time I ever, ever seen a gray, what we call a gray today, was in the experience, in my experience in Massachusetts, January 25th, 1967. And, you know, I was a young, a young kid, you know, 10, 11 years old, and it was like I thought I was dreaming and found out later, no, it wasn't a dream. But when I went to speak, my words wobbled through the air. I know you were trying to tell them to back off, stay away from me, and you were trying to get the human-looking beings to speak with you. Did you notice any um, your words in their in their atmosphere in either one of the ships, or anything wobble, or have any strange sounds? No, um, it was. Uh, I felt wobbly, but uh, you know, it was basically <laughs> me yelling and screaming like a maniac, and them basically ignoring me. Uh, no, oh. no response at all. Although, you know, uh, when they were forcing me down on the table, the human-looking ones, right before uh-huh. they rendered me unconscious, I, I, you know, during the louder points of my screaming. I could see them wince at the volume. Oh. So I know they could hear me. And whether it was that they couldn't understand me or or couldn't speak the language. Or they didn't want to tell you what was going on, huh? Or didn't want to reveal something about themselves in terms of an accent or something. I don't know. But, you know, you can speculate all day. Yeah, that's true. But those are good answers. (laughs) Yeah. And what about any. What about smell? When they put that mask over your face, do you, do you have any recollection of of a scent or a smell? No, or? I I detected no chemical smell or anything in there, and mm-hmm. I almost got my uh, I did get my finger under the edge of it, but I was almost able to pull it away. Uh, but um, it just knocked me out pretty fast without any wow. smell that I could detect or that I recall. And the the other strange thing I, I remember was when you were in the little ship with those little creepy beings there, <laughs> and you finally got out of there, you said there was um, a burst of fresh air, and you were still in a bigger ship. Yeah. So That was different. Yeah, you know, this was it could have been a part of a larger ship, or it mm-hmm. could have been like a uh, an airplane hangar type of building somewhere. It could have been on the surface of the Earth or some other, you know, planetary body. Planet. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, because you were in that room and you were playing with that chair, and look at the star systems you were seeing. Yeah. Well, you that know, was... I, I, you know, had an astronomy class in uh, college, and um, I know a few constellations, but I didn't really recognize any constellations. But that doesn't mean it was, um, you know, a, 
a sky that you would see from someplace other than Earth, it, it might just mean that because of the orientation, you know, mm-hmm. and of course the the extreme uh, fear that I was under. Um, that I didn't recognize it because I wasn't really thinking along those lines. I was just right, you know, basically right. dealing with trying to control my panic and and trying to get out of there. Mm-hmm. But Travis, you, you, you were one bold guy. I mean, you know, <laughs> picking up stuff and waving it at him and screaming yeah. at him. And I mean, I got to give you credit. I mean, this is a terrifying experience, and yet here you are taking an aggressive stance and then you go and sit in the chair and start moving levers around and <laughs> that's a you know? rebel that yeah. was fear and desperation that wasn't bravery it was just <laughs> push to the limit yeah oh, because I don't you know. didn't that know I mean, like when you were, yeah when you were moving levers and pressing buttons I mean you didn't know if that was going to dump you out into space or what it was going to do <laughs> I know that was definitely bad judgment there but uh, well, I don't know. You were okay. You, they came in and got you. They wanted you to stop playing with their machines, I guess. <laughs> or something. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it could be that I was in a very dangerous uh, uh, state for my own health and that they had to just do something to get me... With you, right. Uh, ...under That's control true. and get me sedated and finish the treatment. That's true, to take care of you so that you'd heal up. Do you think you were, you know, like orbiting around Earth all those days, or do you think you had to go? You have no idea. Wow. It it could be, you know, someplace on the Earth or under the sea or on the back of the moon or somewhere, you know. Yeah. Or even shipping near space. That's true. That's true. Have you had any inkling? or feeling or memory of anything new to this that helps you? Just little glimmers. Um, um, the You know, the dawning realization that they weren't there just to torment me or to experiment on me, that they were most likely uh, just trying to revive me. You know, mm-hmm. it took me a long time to come to that because the circumstances that I was in when I regained consciousness was such an overpowering fear that it ju- it just clouded my judgment about the actual you know physical circumstances that I was in uh, right but you know you come to in a in a very dimly lit cramped space uh in great deal of pain with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And um, the feeling of suffocation, the feeling that I couldn't get enough air. Um, oh, great. That's, that's something that, you know, is probably... Harsh. It probably has the greatest power to generate panic in a human being than just about anything. And that's right, why they use breath. it when they're interrogating people with this waterboarding thing is basically to make someone feel like they're drowning or suffocating. And mm. uh, even though these terrorists train for it, I mean, our own people undergo the same training, uh, it still works because um, it just works on an instinctive level that you just can't reason away. Ah. So, you know, wow. there's a scene in the movie where, you know, the actor is down on the table and, and they've got this membrane over his face and he's screaming and struggling to breathe through it. And although that didn't happen, it, it I think, does a better job of communicating to the audience what would generate so much panic. Of course, they did right. a bunch of other stuff to him in the movie that would definitely cause panic. But, you know, yeah. as far as that one scene is concerned, you know, I, I think that's that helps people to understand, uh, you know, how much the suffocation can cause, you know, fear that's just completely over the top. That's right. So you, then you would um, say that the little creatures would be um, something you wouldn't want to deal with, but the others that are human-looking, they were okay. Is that yeah. is that more or yeah. less what it? Yeah. Well, you know, uh-huh. in hindsight, it may be that the little creatures were every bit as concerned about my welfare as anybody. But um, uh-huh. uh, if I could they didn't like out, how you were behaving. <laughs> yeah, if I could maintain yeah. control of my own situation and right. still find out, you know, answers to these major questions, that would be great. Right. And did you do you feel like uh, they'd ever come back, or have you had any other experiences that? you know, were close to this or seen anything? Well, you know, back when this happened, um, it came out that uh, my brother had had a sighting eight or ten years before. And the debunkers made a huge deal out of this, trying to act like um, I came from a family and a culture that was just totally obsessed with UFOs. And that is just not the case. You know, mm-hmm. if you could... Even even to this day, you could go around Snowflake and take a poll, and I don't think you'd have any different results than you'd have in any town in America. Um, even at the time, polls were saying that um, one out of seven Americans had had a sighting. So, you know, we had a crew of seven people, and I, you know, came from a family of seven, you know, so the odds were overwhelming that one out of seven would have a sighting. So there was nothing, uh, uh, some statistical unlikeliness there. It was actually uh, quite likely that that would be the situation. So, you know, but even the ufologists in, of the day uh, tended to put less credibility on people that had more than one experience. They called them repeaters, and, and this uh-huh. was... Uh, considered a dubious circumstance but you know if you looked at it you know alien contact or something as something completely random there might be uh, a basis for that kind of thinking 
But this completely uh, rules out the idea that there's any kind of initiative on the part of the beings to seek out certain individuals. You know, mm-hmm. so so you're saying accidentally people can be caught up in this without so even a, realizing. You no, know, I'm saying that if a person did have more than one incident, it doesn't. It's not like it was random. Perhaps the you know the the beings uh, um, are know, working. Single that person yeah, out. Yeah, like in my case. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then working again, you know, me. there's also just uh, the circumstances of opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. I think these craft, uh, you know, have had a you know a, a greater frequency of activity in in remote areas. They seem to favor um, definitely not being seen. Yes. You know, yeah. um, um, if if the the crew had had cell phones, you know, they weren't invented back then. But if they had, right. um, you know, we'd have had seven pictures of it. And, That's right. You know, right. The, Tracy Torme, who wrote the script on Fire in the Sky, you know, is of the theory that um, the euphonauts, the aliens, have actually altered their behavior on account of the advent of the cell phones which is basically everybody's got a camera. But, you know, you can't underestimate the technology of beings that, you know, could be thousands or millions of years ahead of us. So, you know, if our NSA knows where every cell phone is, certainly uh, the aliens they, could, and they just yeah. could take steps to avoid it or even have the technological ability to reach in there and sort of uh, blur the image or alter it in some way to make it less provable. But the point I'm getting at here is that um, uh, such an advanced technology, if, if if they wanted to operate in here in our environment on the Earth in a way uh, that they could do everything that they're doing and remain completely unseen and unknown, undetected. Uh, it's so at the same time, they're not coming out and with the, you know, proverbial landing on the White House lawn thing, um, they've chosen to have a kind of um, self-revelation that is kind of measured. It seems to me that they're, they're kind of conditioning people with a, with a level of um, detection of their appearance, uh, of their, uh, you know, of their being yeah. here. Uh, I agree. It's just just short of anything that's going to be this startling kind of uh, revelation that would cause so much disruption. Right, because I think one of the greatest things that they have experienced is the fear factor, like you went through. And and if they really care about us, they don't really want to put us through all that. Well, you know... Science fiction has this thing called a non-interference directive or a prime directive or something prime like that. Right. And, you know, it makes perfect sense. You know, when you look at our own history, you know, every time the more advanced um, uh, civilizations come upon the less advanced, uh, it was always much to the disadvantage of the uh, less, less advanced uh, cultures. And mm-hmm. um, it was really quite destructive. And so, you know, our own lesson, uh, when we do go out and start sending probes and actually visiting some of these planets we've detected recently, 
uh, I expect we will have that same kind of uh, protocol in place, that we will not disrupt their development or in any way cause any kind of, uh, you know, uh, culture shock of that kind that could be so destructive. Um, People are working very hard for this thing called disclosure, and I applaud their efforts, but I really doubt that uh, the government's ever going to just give in to, you know, to pressure. Oh, it's by popular demand, we're going to admit we've been lying to you for years. (laughs) So much of their disadvantage to do that, you know, they're just not going to do that. If it comes about, it'll be from one of two things, I think, probably. Um, some undeniable event, some kind of a crash or something, some initiative on the part of the aliens, which is unlikely, or some um, whistleblower type uh, running off with the files and you know providing proof to the world, and that's probably pretty unlikely too, because uh, things are even more closely guarded than the other stuff that's leaked out recently. Yeah, there's a lot of ships, though, that have been showing up in the past year or so. I mean, multiple ships at times, and people that never thought they would see anything close to a UFO actually experiencing. Oh, yeah. You know, like I said, it's a gradual conditioning, but that doesn't mean they're not going to quicken the pace uh, as we become more uh, ready for these kinds of things, but... I do believe that, you know, if you had uh, undeniable evidence worldwide tomorrow, that it would cause massive, massive chaos. Um, you know, mm. you and I, you know, wouldn't be that much affected by it. But mm-hmm. there's, you know, cultures and and strong institutions and governments and religions that, you know, would really... Uh, you know, just the economics. You know, how many people wouldn't show up for work the next day? It's just yeah, it would be extremely right. difficult. Or pay their taxes because yeah, why should they? That's well, just a higher force pump, out there. Who's going to go work in the oil fields if they know that there's free energy available out here? You know, uh, just the economic impact would be enormous. So, so do you think the government is working with some of these beings that are here, and and do you think there's more than one? type of being that has been here with people, you know, from what you've uh, gleaned or gathered. Oh, yeah, from... I think there's definitely, definitely more than one type, probably multiple mm-hmm. types. Um, um, I don't know the extent of the government's interaction, but I, I definitely believe they know more than uh, is generally known. You know, mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. sharing what they do know. Uh, right. Yeah, Indeed, let me go back to, to just your experience also, Travis, and just run this uh, scenario I have in my mind uh, for you. Because it sounds to me like this ship and these beings you encountered were really not prepared for human interaction. It sounds like they were on some other kind of a mission, and from what you described, you kind of uh, got in there and uh, almost were killed by the amount of energy that got funneled through your body. And... I'm just trying to think this through, and what makes sense to me is up until that point, you know, they were on their mission, then all of a sudden you're the wild card that gets thrown in the middle of this. You could have died. That could have been interpreted as a hostile act. So 
because they didn't want to have that interpreted as a hostile act. They save you, but they're also under a prime directive, so they don't talk to you. They don't communicate with you, which we know they can do, but they didn't. Yeah, that does make sense. And if they did talk to me at another point, and you know, those memories are blocked for good reason. Exactly. So it just sounds to me like it's quite, given given what we're discussing tonight, this particular uh, speculative statement on my part might fit in terms of why you experienced what you did. And again, I can't, I'm just in amazement of you picking up that stuff and waving it at them and screaming at them. <laughs> it was pure desperation. I mean, what am I supposed to do, curl up in a ball and cry for mommy? You know, well, you know, just, i got to say, when Betty and Barney Hill were abducted, that's what Barney Hill did. He started crying. Yeah. Betty Hill was the one who, who told me uh, many years ago, I had the pleasure of meeting her, and she said, Patricia, if I had a frying pan, I would have taken them all out. So, <laughs> she was My kind of girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but her husband did, did curl up in a ball and cry. That's exactly what he did. Well, you know, in retrospect, I'm I'm glad I didn't hurt. Yeah. Yes, that's true. But it's a good thing you stood up for yourself, also. Yeah. Well, I I really didn't. I wasn't trying to hit them. They weren't that close. I was just mm-hmm. trying to keep them from coming any closer. But uh, I think that was, it was all that was for the good. better. Did you Did you notice on the ship? Uh, any anything else in any other rooms as you were going through the corridors? Um, no, I was in too much of a panic to look in. To look and notice path. anything. Uh, yeah, uh, I was wondering if they had plants or anything like that because they were up there in the forest, you know, or animals or anything like that that they might have taken aboard. Well, they may have, but mm. I didn't see it, you know. And, yeah. Uh, I think this it may have been an unmanned probe to begin with. Um, I see. I see. And and how do you feel today? I mean, is has this worn down a little bit so you're not so anxious anymore about possibly even seeing a sighting or them coming back? Or are you okay with all that? <laughs> well, I'm a lot better than I was. Uh-huh. I've come a long way. Yes, you have, Travis. <laughs> yes, you have. A long I look way at some of those interviews I did in the in the months right after, and where I look, uh, what do they call it, shell shocked? Or uh, <laughs> you were, you they were didn't have that term PTSD back then, but I guess that's what you would have called it. Yes, and, and you come to some understanding though of of you know. Okay, if I see them again or if they come into my home, do you have any plan or understanding that you might want to share or feelings of that? Mm, uh, I'll just, no comment. <laughs> no comment. How about your brother? Your brother seen it, seen the UFO and uh, knew it was a UFO back then. What did, what did he think about you, his his brother, being out there going all through this? Well, you know, he definitely believed me and supported me, you know. Yes. I, I wouldn't have survived those, uh, the immediate aftermath without him. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when he had his own sighting, he was extremely terrified. But, you know, he was, you know, heard remarking that he didn't think they were going to kill us. 
that they weren't here to invade or attack. He says because, and he expressed the opinion that, uh, you know, with their technology, there'd be no no contest. They could have done it a long right. time ago if they were, if that was what they were about. And of course, the debunkers act like that was just some kind of, you know, sign that he was some kind of UFO fanatic, but. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. You know, anybody can sit there and reason that, you know. Mm-hmm, Just right. common sense, you know. That's right. And your and brother really good. protected you also yeah. when when the yeah. press was descending upon you and Oh yeah. He really as you said when in your weakest moment he was the strongest. That was such a an incredible statement you made about him. Yeah. Yeah, I'll always be grateful to him for that. Yeah, that I mean cuz that was a lot. I mean, you had people showing up on his doorstep demanding to talk to you and calling constantly, asking where you were, and he was telling them that you were in some hospital in Tucson or something. So you know, he, he to even to be put you. in the hands of law enforcement and is subjected to intense interrogation could have been devastating to me psychologically. And But he was extremely protective and uh, with good reason, you know, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just grateful to him for having done that. Oh, yeah. He's a now, brave soul. Oh, definitely. Now, yeah. what about the the men and the crew? Were any of them angry with you because they were put through this uh, level of scrutiny by law enforcement? Well, I don't think they directed it at me, you know. I mean, you know, the crew boss, you know, did say that at one point. None of this would be happening to us if you hadn't, a, you know, been... Got out of the truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Travis, get out of the truck. Yeah. <laughs> I think he got over that, you know. It was just, you know, it was more, you know, this is the way it is and we got to deal with it. So that mm-hmm. I don't think they were so much blaming me. I, I, they might have even blamed the, the people who were directing this stuff at him, you know. Law enforcement, the skeptics, you know, just people out in the general public who would, you know, uh, hurl insults at him or, or whatever, you know, beginning with where'd you hide the body, you know, being accused of murder. I mean, people just yelling stuff out of a truck as they go by, you know, that kind of stuff. I know, that must have been terrifying. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. yeah. Have Has any of them ever had or seen a UFO or had any experience after? I'm sure they were watching the skies closely after this. Well, you know, that's a good question. I'll have to ask them. Mm-hmm. 
That would be interesting to know. And But after everything they've seen you go through and what they went through, they may not dare to answer that question. Yeah, they might be inclined to uh, yes. be quiet about it. Yes, and that's an awful shame when that happens to people, having to be put through all this and... You know, they have a story to tell, something happened to them, and they're really looking for help from somebody, anybody, and they're put through the ringer. Yeah. Well, oh, this you is know, a definite emotional roller coaster for everybody that was involved in this, even your family members. This is a, I mean, if, for anybody who thinks that opening your mouth about a UFO experience is going to make you a celebrity and a multimillionaire and all these other things, I mean, they really need to look at your case very closely because yeah, the cost was so great yeah, in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh to this goodness. day, I'd rather it never happened. And you know, it, it's just it's just not the true what people think. You know, they they make all kinds of assumptions. Yes, I read that too. They were putting their own little adventures you had in there, didn't weren't they? Yeah. Oh, that that was that would upset me that would upset me seeing that especially when you told the truth you said what happened and there was they were saying it was this that and the other i'd be very upset too i mean jeez yeah it you know if for no other reason than have to go and dig up the proof that just proves it all you know like this character that was claiming he had the inside story and you know right from the get-go he starts describing things that you know, you can prove or false. He had the crew meeting with the sheriff at the Red Robin Diner. Well, you know, I think that kind of approximated what he thought was represented in the movie. But in actuality, the men met with the sheriff and his men at a gas station that was closed mm-hmm. for the night. So, you know, right from the get-go, the guy was making it up. And yeah. uh, But when people jumped him about it and said, hey, there is no Red Robin Diner and in town, as a matter of fact, the Red Robin Diner didn't exist for 20 years, and after the incident happened, then he changed it to the Red Onion, which does <laughs> exist over there in Overguard, but uh, it didn't exist to, for 20 years after the incident happened. So, um, you know, people, you know, even for or against, uh, uh, can sometimes confabulate. Uh, stories, uh, you know, just because they want to be a part of it, you know. So yeah, the easy thing is to, to is to say negative stuff. Yeah, I know that guy, and he was always like this, that, and the other thing. And I'm I'm saying, wait a minute, I didn't even know you, you know. <laughs> and, they're, you know, but, you know, even supporters will say, yeah, we hung out all the time in high school, and, and we didn't, you know. We just were in yeah. school at the same time. Um, wow. It's just that on top of everything. Mm-hmm. Just an incredible experience all the way around and such an emotional roller coaster for everybody. Well, let's just take this opportunity to have another short commercial break. This is our last commercial break of the night. If you have a question for Travis or for Becky, call up at 646-478-0828. Stay tuned. We will be right back.
Veronique Raskin, founder of the Organic One Company. As one of the pioneers of the Organic One movement, since 1980, I have brought you the very best and most authentic organic wines directly to your table. I work with small family estates who grow certified organic grapes and produce exceptional wines. You can purchase our wines individually from our website at theorganicwinecompany.com or join one of our wine clubs. Our organic wines are perfect for you and for your family as gifts for friends and relatives, and they are simply spectacular for the holidays. Visit us at theorganicwinecompany.com to enjoy the very best organic wines conveniently delivered to your door. I am Veronique Raskin, passionate about my mission. I offer to you vegan, organic, and biodynamic wines, wines made by people of the heart, wines with a heart. Au revoir. Call us at 1-888-ECO-WINE. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With Cosmic Fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com travis.com and you can even get an autographed copy there 
So here we are. So Becky, take it away. <laughs> yes, I, I have another Becky. question <laughs> about the little grays. You said that you had um, pushed over or reached over and touched one of them, and they were like spongy or marshmallowy feeling. Yeah, it was just a kind of a reflex to see this face so close to mine. Just uh-huh. you know, just my immediate impulse was to just knock them away, push them away. Right. And even though I was weak and could hardly move my arm at that point, uh, when I made contact with them, I was just surprised that they fell back so easily. Uh, they uh-huh. were lighter and softer than I expected. But, you know, uh-huh. you see something really strange like that and you expect it to be, you know... Yes, because the grays that I have uh, uh, been involved with and touched their their skin, it was um, very dense and it was cool and it felt almost like I would explain like clay, almost. So I was really uh, intrigued when when you pushed them back and they felt like marshmallowy or spongy. That was very different to me and and uh, it was intriguing. Well, that was just a kind of a general impression because it was the back of my arm, which was covered with a shirt and a jacket, and mm-hmm. uh, I touched the one that was closest to me in its chest, which was covered with fabric. So, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of tactile sensation there, just the, the feeling that they were, you know, were softer and, and lighter uh-huh. than I expected. That, that must have helped you, though, in a way, immediately thinking, okay, I can handle this. Well, I was, uh, you know, part of what added to my fear was the feeling that I was so weak and I could barely, you know, stand, you know. I mm-hmm. was unsteady on my feet. It's kind of like those dreams where you're trying to run away and you can't move, you know, you're oh. through molasses or something. That it adds to the fear, the feeling that you're not able to, to move to save yourself, you know, and so mm-hmm. that was a part of uh, what added to my panic. Wow, and and was it very silent or quiet there, or were you hearing noises? Because I noticed you spoke of pops or snaps, and I've actually heard those also um, around the ships that I've been involved with, you know, with the beings and. Uh, that was interesting. The pops and snaps. That no, no, heard. no. I I didn't report hearing any pops and snaps. Uh, you know, the sounds from outside the craft were, uh, you know, powerful feeling, but from mm-hmm. inside it was just totally silent, and I didn't feel any sensation of movement. Wow. Or like the, I couldn't hear the sound of machinery or anything like that. Nothing. And was it clean in there, or like um, Whitley yeah. had described? It was very messy in the ship he was in, so I was wondering well, if it was... In the movie, they made it look all cluttered, but in yeah. reality, it was very clean. It was very clean. And the, and the engineering of the lights in that, was that uh, protruding out or streamlined in the engineering of the ship? Because it sounded like everything was kind of like molded and rounded. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And was it light color or dark? Uh, a, a sort of a light grayish metallic. Uh, yeah, a lighter color. So you, you were that would almost being out in the corridor. Wouldn't that be almost? Did you feel confused, like which way to go, or 
way to enter in well, because it was so the, streamlined? When the aliens, when the little creatures left me, they went to the right, and so I automatically went to the left, just you know, right. trying to put as much distance between me and them as possible. Mm-hmm. But when the human-looking one came in, in, at least in Paranormal Witness, and please tell us if this was accurately portrayed, he was wearing a spacesuit. Yeah. Well. Is that so? That was accurate. He was. Well, he was wearing a helmet. A helmet. Oh, just a helmet. Okay. Because when you, when he escorted you uh, to wherever he was going to take you, I don't know, throughout uh, the ship to another area where there were other human-looking beings, they didn't have helmets on, just him. Is that true? Yeah, so I'm thinking that that helmet had something to do with him coming in there and taking me out of there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so yeah. So yeah, that's was he trying to, was he trying to protect? Mm-hmm. Well, it could be that. Hmm. Hmm. Or did he yeah, just come back from somewhere? Yeah, I just saw that, I found that so interesting that the other ones didn't have that helmet on, but he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if if it's so bad to breathe this stuff, uh, and then where's my helmet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially the shape that you were in. Gee whiz. They should have stepped up and did something about that. <laughs> I'm telling you. He was probably searching the ship for him because you took off around the corner, went into that room where that chair was, fascinating again, and uh, he was probably looking for you after the other three scurried away and probably reported that you took off out of the room. And were you armed? Did you keep that thing in your hand or did you throw it down? And I threw it that down. Glass? I didn't get uh, you know, it would have made sense to keep it with Hang me. Hang on. <laughs> I, I, I was not doing uh, anything that would have made a lot of sense. Yes. Well, I can't blame you there, Travis, really. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is that is just amazing. And, and you, I, you were thirsty and hungry after all those days. How long can a human go without drink or food? Uh, well, I don't know but uh, I don't know whether I was given food and just don't remember. There may have been some sort of method of providing nourishment, that some kind of technological thing that didn't require my uh, my uh, participation. It was that mark before on your arm when you were with the little creatures, or was that uh, sometime when, when they finally let you go, you realized that mark? Because I was thinking, I wonder if they gave you something like intravenous feeding to keep you, you know, alive for all those days. Well, the doctor said it was not over any major blood vessel, so that wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But I, I never noticed the mark at all, and my brother noticed it after I was returned. And it's entirely possible that the mark uh, was just an injury I got working in the brush there the day it happened, you know. I see. The doctor did describe it as being partially healed. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. And when you when they land, when they put you back down on the ground here, how far away were you from everybody? What? Oh well. When they know, when they finally released you, you were in a town away or two towns away. 
Um, no, it was in the uh, outside of the, just on the edge of the town, nearest where it happened. I see. <coughs> I see. Were you you disoriented when they let you out? Do you remember them letting you out, or were you like unconscious and you woke up on the side of the road or somewhere? I woke up pretty clear-headed. Mhm. So you were unconscious when they let you out, and you woke up clear-headed. Well, yeah, I was unconscious, but woke up, and I was pretty pretty clear immediately, mm-hmm. and I saw him leave. Oh, you saw them leave. You saw the ship take off, or you actually... Well, ate, I could see ate. the lights of the town down below. Right. And it was a pattern I recognized, you know, and driven mm-hmm. that road before. Mm-hmm. But you know the town. This they did not return me to the town that I live in. They yeah. returned me to the town nearest where it happened, which was still 15 miles away. But wow. they put, let me off in a place where I could get help. Wow, uh, that was you good. know, I was able to you know very quickly get down into town and make a call and get help. Mm-hmm. Now, Heber, the town where I was let out is located in a steep canyon with you know cliff edges around the edges, you know. So oh. they were able to descend over that road there and be invisible in any direction um, and and still be putting me in a place where I could get help. Now, the town where I live, Snowflake, is a big, wide, shallow valley that... Um, there's just no place that they could come down that they wouldn't be seen by hundreds of people, you know. I so see. It, um, I think it was just a way of uh, returning me in, in uh, the least, uh, you know, the most hidden way that they could. Right. Wow. And and you had great um, thirst when you were. Released? You said you. I. I think I. I read that you were yeah, I was, really I was, drinking. I was. I was quite thirsty. Yeah. Um, there was no sign of starvation medically, but uh, the fact that I, I had quite a, a weight loss that re. Right. You know, I recovered from within a matter of hours, showed that it was mostly just dehydration. So apparently, whatever sort of maintenance they had me on wasn't exactly what I needed completely or or it may be that um um by you know being a little short on water it somehow assisted the treatment that they were doing you know yeah i wondered about that because them looking feeling or looking like humans you know it, it would only it comes to mind that they would know how to take care of someone that is human properly yeah. Yeah, I no. speculated that perhaps um, the little guys wanted to help and were trying, but uh, they wound up summoning a, a very human-looking species to assist them because they just felt that they're, you know, they didn't have sufficient expertise. Right, right. That that still though, being human like the the others look like, and they and they put you right out, uh, gone five days. Uh, dying of thirst and really hungry, I, I just wondered why why were you not taken care of properly that way? That really struck me as strange. 
that, well, you know. I, I wasn't extremely hungry. Uh, it was just, you know, I, I'd say I probably had adequate nutrition. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a little shy on the water end for some reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you didn't yeah. have any major physical health problems when you returned either. It was more of the mental trauma. But were there any, any you know, things that you were challenged with on the physical level? Mm. Uh, no, no, just lack of sleep and stress was the only right. More the mental oh. side. And what about this, Travis? You know, I know with Becky's family, the government has followed them wherever they go. And what about you from this experience? Did you have any experience with the government wanting to talk to you about this or bugging your phones or whatever? Well, I, I believe some of that was going on, uh, but not overtly, you know. They're not going to knock on the door and say, we're here from the government, you know, and you got to do this and that and the other thing. That would be too much of a validation, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. That would be so basically... Yeah. Yeah, basically be admitting they took it serious, you know. Right. I'm sure they were watching you, though, Travis. Well, yeah, and I do believe that, you know, the, the chief debunker was acting at the, at least in cooperation with some covert agency. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, through the Freedom of Information Act, uh, getting his FBI file, uh, you know, I, uh, there's some pretty strong documentation in support of that idea. But what's really strange is that there was no direct contact of me, and, the, and most of the harassment was directed at the crew members, a couple of them in particular, but uh, but not me. And I just, I you know, and I'm not even trying to suggest a reason for it. I don't understand why they would harass the crew boss and the youngest guy on the crew and never anything to me. Mm-hmm. What did they because do? Because they knew. <clears throat> what was the, the form of, that this harassment took? Well, um, uh, how much time we got? We got plenty. <laughs> yes, we got plenty for you, Travis. <laughs> well, we got a uh, half an hour plus, so go for it. Federal criminal investigator came uh, into town and uh, started harassing Mike and trying to build the case that there was some problem with his contracting. And there wasn't. Anyway, the guy was extremely aggressive and very intimidating. And he wrote up a confession that he tried to force Mike to sign. And Mike just said, I'm not signing that. That's not the way it is. So the guy leaves all mad. But come to find out that he had gone down to the sheriff and got a copy of the entire investigation on the UFO file. So that's what that was really all about. It was just intimidation. We can make your life miserable if you just, you know, keep talking about this. So he was wow, trying to they... get him to sign a confession saying this never happened? Right. Uh, no, it was uh, trying to confess, uh, get him to, you know, uh, incriminate himself con- concerning contracting. See, the debunker was trying to use that as his... Um, uh, reason for the whole incident ever occurring. Supposedly uh-huh. the crew all got together and concocted a UFO story just to get the boss out of his contract. 
Oh, my goodness. All of the contracting officers involved have made written statements saying there's absolutely no sense in that theory whatsoever. Wow. And so, you know, I think that that was prompted by this um, debunker who was actually in the service of some government agency trying to push that as their chief means of discrediting the incident. But, you know, it was, you know, just stupid stuff like, you know, trying to claim that Mike's brother was a fictitious character who had been a partner on one contract. And uh, he said, well, it just so happens we're having a family reunion today, and I'll take you over there and introduce you to my brother. So <laughs> it was uh, that kind that of stuff. That was good. So they and, thought and they to everybody out. Yeah, it was, that's pretty aggressive. It's like when they yeah. knew they couldn't get to you, they went after these right. other your other crew well, people. Well, the, the thing they did with Mike is, uh, I mean, with uh, the youngest guy on the crew, was to uh, try to bribe him. Uh, he was offered $10,000 uh, to claim it was a hoax. Wow. And uh, that's all that documented. Dirty the, dealing. the local deputy uh, carried the message uh, and... Uh, and uh, what didn't stop there, Steve, uh, you know, the young guy I was telling you about, took off and and, and went to Texas. He, you know, I, I couldn't even find him, but somehow this guy did and flew down there, you know, which is not cheap, <laughs> and took him to dinner and tried to persuade him to take this $10,000 bribe, you know. Jeez. It's extensively documented that this guy was uh, trying to pay $10,000. Which back then the, was really a lot of money. Yeah, and and chasing him around uh, wherever he left, he, he'd move away, and boom, here he is. This guy's following him. So, oh my God! Uh, and you know, additional harassment from uh, uh, of Mike uh, from various government agencies. I know. Wow! And, uh, You're very blessed that that this group of men really stayed right stayed to the truth. Yeah. In spite of because, all that. Because, you know, Steve was pretty tempted. You know, he was in dire financial st- straits, and they figured $10,000 would, you know, and he, he was tempted. But his wife said, well, you say it really happened, right? And he goes, yeah. He said, but I want the money. And she said, well, you ain't going to be saying that if, if uh, you know, it really happened. So he never took the bribe. But, um a lot of uh, sneaky stuff with government agents. And, and I'll also give the example of um, a witness that came forward. And uh, he uh, called me up right before the Larry King show and was saying that, you know, he had been a witness to the incident itself, that he had been deer hunting uh, that day and that he had been on the opposite ridge and seen the glow of the craft and the flash of the beam and everything. And, boy, that sounded like a great witness, you know. Uh, uh, I put him in touch with Tracy Torme, and they flew him out to Hollywood and interviewed him, and they wound up giving him a polygraph test, two of them actually, and with very curious results. It proved what he was saying, that he did see the craft and the beam and all that. He passed that just fine. But when uh, he was questioned, and even the fact that he was in military intelligence, 
You see, uh-huh. he said that he went to his superiors and said, "Look, these guys are being accused of murder. I should come forward and and you know uh, exonerate these guys." Because I saw it happen, and they said, "Well, unless they're actually indicted, you stay out of it." That was his story. But so he, you know, he passed the the test, saying that he saw it and it was in military intelligence. But when they asked him about connections to the debunkers, he flunked. Oh, oh so he was connected. So you know, this is military intelligence. You know, which I thought just made him a you know a credible witness at the time, but. You know, in retrospect, it, that's kind of an odd coincidence that the only witness in this remote area is going to be somebody from military intelligence. Yeah, so you'd Paramount think it'd be an just, Indian. Paramount uh, Studio just warned him, you know, about his intentions, and he just disappeared. But um, uh, that was kind of... that uh, That's amazing that he was told to stay out of that. Yeah, and uh-huh. that he had other ties. I mean, at the end of the day, I think there's so so much about this that's suspect, and it's hard to get to the bottom of a lot of these things. It yeah, ends I, up being I was very convoluted. Maybe this guy was going to try to set himself up as a star witness, mm-hmm. and then do something to try to discredit it. Exactly. You know? That I agree with you. I think that's probably that was probably the plan. Get him yeah. firmly in place as a star witness, and then let some crap hit the fan and bring the whole story down. Yeah. That's yeah. What, and, and why it didn't work the person... because, uh, you, know, he, you know, even if military intelligence can, you know, get around a polygraph test, he just wasn't good enough to, to beat Cy uh, Gelson. That way, he was the same yeah. examiner that tested the crew. So oh, good. He was one good. of the very best available. What was the military intelligence guy Doing up well, there. he said he was just on vacation. He was stationed in Texas at the time, and that he was deer hunting with his wife. And he said, "My wife will verify that mm-hmm. you know I was there, that we were there, and we're divorced now. So you know she'll still back me up on this." Mm-hmm. And uh, so, who knows what the what the story is there? Yeah, know? I mean, so many of these people, if they're with an intelligence organization, they can have fifty, sixty different complete identification packages, and so. You know, it's just it be it's that's messy stuff. And thank God that they found him out and he was sent packing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You say there's Indians all through up there. I'm surprised yeah. any of them didn't come forward and see something because usually in their stories uh, from way back they know about these sky people. Yeah. No that's one true. came and forward. I have heard from them, but see. The Indians used to be much more closed-mouthed about it. But here, uh, a year or so ago, I gave a talk uh, over on the reservation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I spoke to about 900 Navajos all at once. And, man, I got a lot of stories about stuff that's happening way out there in remote parts of the reservation. And, uh, you know, the younger generation is much more open about it than the, the elders. That's right. Has any of those stories come close to what you experienced? Well, you know, every story's different, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. but... Uh, well, I mean, like the craft, the golden color of the craft, and, oh, and yeah. the, you oh, know... yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. There's even, there's even petroglyphs in the, in the canyon walls near here um, that look like UFOs and aliens. Like the craft you've seen, do they have the, the, 
the beings that you've seen, are they on the rocks? I mean, yeah. in, in their stories? You know, these, these carvings uh, can be dated because, you know, however many hundred years, uh, it uh, changes chemically, and there's no way to, you know, duplicate that except mm-hmm. nature. And so, you know, these, these petroglyphs are hundreds and hundreds of years old, and yet, you know, there's one other thing that goes along with these UFO and alien-looking uh, petroglyphs that's kind of curious. It's a two-star pattern. You see it here, there, and everywhere, but there's two stars, very bright. And uh, it's I, I just don't understand the significance of that. With the Indians, did they yeah, give you... The yeah, they now, did. Naturally, the local Indians don't know anything about those carvings because it's it's before their time, you know. Yeah. yeah. But they must have some oral history somewhere. Well, maybe not anymore, but I know they used to have oral mm-hmm. history about some of these things. Yeah. Any of the stories that they told you, do any of them stand out in your mind that you'd like to share with us about what is going on on that reservation land? Oh, just, you know, sightings and, and um, you know, of craft and beings, you know. And this one guy was saying that uh, his grandmother, who was very old, had a blanket that her had been handed down to her that was actually had, it was an Navajo blanket that was woven into it of their encounter with this uh, craft and these beings. Oh, my. Oh, the, the human-looking beings or the other type or both? And the grays. The grays, yeah. Wow. They seem to be everywhere, the grays, or like you said, different forms of them. Yeah, I, I you know, my own theory is that it's just a very common form that uh, a bipedal uh, intelligent being is going to come on and take on that form. You know, I've had, you know, 38 years to think about this stuff, and, um, you know, the skeptics will say there's just no way that an alien being is even going to have two arms and two legs. They'll be, they'll look like a jellyfish, or they'll look like a ball of plasma. <laughs> yeah, but, they try to say that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just not the way it is. And here, I'll bet you, I'll bet you, that when we finally send probes to these planets that we've located, when we finally look at what the life forms are on those planets. We're not going to be astonished at how bizarre it is. We're going to be astonished at how similar it is to what's here. Because the conditions that allow for life are a very limited range of temperatures and the necessity of water and oxygen and all the chemistry of life is, you know, going to be the same everywhere. And uh, similar environments produce similar forms. Right here on the Earth, it's called convergent evolution, where you you know a, a similar environment will produce a very similar looking creature that's not genetically related to that creature at all. I give the example of um, our flying squirrel in America and the sugar glider in Australia. You know they basically look like a flying squirrel, large eyes, nocturnal, uh, but. You know, the sugar glider is a marsupial, and that diverged from the mammalian line uh, millions of years ago. But yet, because they live in a similar situation, they come to look the same. They're not related. Uh, uh, I mean, the similarity in their appearance is not based on their 
um, being, uh, you know, related to each other. In the southwest, we have javelina, which, you know, they call wild pigs, but they're not pigs at all. They're not related to pigs. They have tusks and a snout and, you know, live in a very similar fashion, but they're not pigs. They're just a different creature. They look pretty scary, though. I've seen them. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty formidable little creatures. (laughs) You don't want to mess with them. They can be pretty aggressive. They don't get as huge as the European boar, but uh, definitely uh, can fend for themselves out there amongst the coyotes and bobcats and whatnot. Oh, gosh, yes. Well, I've got a question from the chat room for you, Travis. Somebody wants to know if this experience made you more spiritual. Mm, Yeah, I would say yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. That's very good. But I I draw, uh, I, uh, I, I say that the spiritual is entirely different from religious. Yes. Yes. We understand that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you realize. Yeah. Yes. You you have there's a knowing. It's a form of a knowing, and you understand there's more to life than just this physical realm. Yeah. Well, you know, spiritual is our relationship with these truths, and religion is more about doctrine and uh, organizations and that sort of thing. Mhm. And that makes you look at things differently. Yes. Yeah. I have another question for you also, Travis, from the chat room. Uh, they want to know, this is kind of a funny one, uh, do you feel you were more mistreated by the extraterrestrials or by the people here when I you said, got back? I'd say by the people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure, huh? Oh, hands that's down. probably why they don't come down. Especially since <laughs> that's never stopped, you know, to some extent. Do you still get oh. finger pointing or people saying that you're making this up after all these years? Uh, not so much. I mean, things have changed dramatically for the better. I mean, there's a lot more people just, you know, willing to come up to me even in public and, uh, you know, say words of support. That's that's good. What what about you? What do you feel is a is the main message to tell people? out here in the world about your experience is well you, you know, know you said mm-hmm. <coughs> you've said you you feel more spiritual and and you've learned things and you've had all these years to think things over and understand things more and heard other information so is there anything you would like to tell them uh, dealing with the UFOs or or aliens or beings well, you know, no matter how much uh, evidence and and documentation I can um, put forth on my own <clears throat> experience, um, I would say that uh, people should uh, judge each case on its own merits. Mm-hmm. That I, not every report is true. Just because some definitely are doesn't mean they all are. Right. And uh, see, by the same token, the fact that you can identify things that didn't turn out to be a UFO mm-hmm. is not proof against it. And the, and the skeptics are very fond of saying, well, look, here's here's a case where, you know, 
these college kids played a prank and they fessed up to it. So basically, it's all can be explained that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just absurd. So the existence of untrue stories doesn't prove that they're all true, and the existence of true stories doesn't mean that they're all true. So right. before right. you pass judgment on anyone... Take a look at the evidence. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I ask, you know. And, you know, there was a lot of skepticism, and I, I really don't resent uh, people who found it hard to believe because, you know, that's understandable to a certain extent. But the the readiness of people to pass judgment on something when they don't even know the the vaguest of, of the facts surrounding it, you know, is just... You know, I, I quote Emerson right in the beginning of my book, condemnation without investigation is the height <laughs> of ignorance. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's the thought I leave people with. Take a look at the facts first, and then make up your mind. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah, good. Your, yeah, your case has a tremendous amount of documentation um, and certainly is well supported <clears throat> in the facts. And... You know, despite the emotional uproar this created amongst the crew and family members and everything else, again, I'm amazed at how solid everybody stayed to the truth and just kept walking that path. I mean, again, all of these men need to be commended for for their truth and their honesty and the courage that it took to keep standing there despite what they had to endure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, you really just don't have any choice, you know. I guess I could have just said, okay, uh-huh, we all got drunk that day, and and uh, it was just a drunken hallucination. And as stupid as that sounds, you know, there's a whole lot of people who would have just believed it, and that would have been in the end of it and made my life a whole lot simpler. But that <laughs> doesn't work out that way. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Or the, the gentleman is. could have taken the bribe, you know, and walked away and and paid off his bills and bought a new house or whatever he had planned for it. But uh, again, that didn't happen, and it's yeah. that's what's so cohesive and so wonderful, also, about your experience. And uh, again, it's it's kind of like you had this um, this this tremendous troop of men that their heart led the way. And yours, too. So everybody came out with the truth and stood there in it. Not an easy thing to do, especially back then. It wasn't easy, but, you know, I kind of discount the the praise because, you know, we just had no choice, you know. It happened. That's the way it is. And, you know, we we just got no choice. What happened happened. That's all there is to it. (laughs) Yes, that's true. But that was a good-sized group. To, that could have easily been broken up by bribes or something else. I mean, you know, even people having to move away two or three or four times just to get away from these people that were chasing them. Yeah. I mean, you know, they could have just ended and said, yeah, okay, this didn't happen, give me the money. You know, the, those are loyal friends. Those are loyal people, and that was really wonderful. Well, they you know, really we weren't really care. friends, and I, I think that actually adds to their credibility. Is they're not really mm-hmm. trying to support me; they're just standing by what they experienced. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a, I think there's a lesson in this for everybody that's much larger. 
because so many people are easily corrupted or they think they're going to take the easy way out. Like you you say you, you guys had, all these guys, including you, had no choice. Well, I think you did, but what you did was you chose you chose the right path. And yeah. and that's why everything worked out the way it did. So I'm going to keep giving yeah. you praise, Travis. And <laughs> that's right. Well, hey, it's guys been kind of uneven. Too. There's been times where I felt it was my duty to come out and talk about it, but then there's been years where I just quit talking about it. You know, I tried to tried to put it behind me, but that wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Do you still have any dreams about it? Like when you go to yeah. sleep, do you still have nightmares or dreams or anything about the experience? Right. The, uh, the, the dreams changed. They weren't the nightmares after a while. They were more uh, with the human beings and... Uh, just nothing that tells me anything. Hmm. You think that might have to do with um, your experience too up there with anything with your um, Cherokee DNA? Yeah, I think it could have to do with that. All right. Yes, because I'm I have Mohawk DNA, mm-hmm. and I've known um, it's a it feels like a spiritual thing that had connection and learning and understanding and the things that we go through. So I was just wondering if you felt that. I'm happy to hear you do feel that. Oh, yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. And There's like you said... a connection to the, the Native Americans. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, they didn't hush-hush and sweep it under the rug or not believe it either. They've been strong, you know, through the generations... Yeah, it they was a know part of what the teachings, yeah. Yes, yes. Fabulous. I, yeah, I'm really I mean, happy. That yes, that's that's a good thing. I remember studying with Dahani Thorne, who was a Cherokee medicine woman. Uh, I studied with her many years ago and she used to say that the the UFO people come after their own. So mm-hmm. whoever's connected to them, that's who they come for. Even though, Travis, your experience sounds like it was a, a random event. Uh, wrong place, wrong time kind of thing, and your brash behavior brought you underneath the uh, the pull of that ship. But according to uh, the this elder, um, that's what they look for. But this might have been just one of those lucky things. <laughs> lucky you, Travis. Um, oh, yeah, this lucky happened. me. Yeah. <laughs> happened to Stan. Yeah, he, <laughs> you may he never was a know. warrior up there. <laughs> But certainly you your really life, well. my, my goodness, you were described even in the Paranormal Witness show as kind of a rebel. You did things your own way, and and I mean, you were the first one out of the truck. Like you said, the door was open before the truck even came to a stop. You wanted to go investigate this, and so you had a, a certain way of embracing life, and 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 you did it your way. So it brought you to the door of of an extraterrestrial event beyond compare. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. for better or worse. Yeah, that's <laughs> now after that this would event. Did it change it. any of that bold, brash behavior? Did you kind of start to rein it in a little? Mellow oh, out. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've definitely, definitely toned it way down. <laughs> mm-hmm. No more Cherokee brave, huh? Now you're a wise man. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is something. Oh my gosh! And and do you think the government is still wondering or watching you? Uh, they're watching all of us. Yeah. Oh, wow! Now that sounds real scary. 
Travis. <laughs> well, you see, computers have made that possible. That's true. They used, oh, to have to, they used to have to pick who they watched. Now they can watch everybody. Oh, my goodness. Well, I believe that because they interfere on our computers, our telephones, our mail, and things are still going on in my family like that. So I actually truly believe that wholeheartedly. So and, and anyone who has had experiences such as yourself to um, this great, great, great degree, I'm sure they are watching you. So yeah. it's, it's good to have keep family and friends close and and uh, keep one eye open, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That That is truly amazing. Truly amazing. So there's nothing then new since you've settled down and and you've got a grip on things and you understand things better, which is really, truly wonderful, Travis. Really. Do you, do you look, and you said you even... Um, had more of a spiritual understanding. Do you look at things differently now? In other words, even when you hear other people's experiences, do you look at them differently now? Oh, yeah. I have a completely different perspective on life. You know, it's just mm-hmm. impossible to even relate it to how it would be without it because it's just so completely different. You know, my life has changed forever uh, in November fifth, 1975, and... It'll never, ever be the same again, and there's no way I could even calculate what it would be not having that ha- have that happen. So this is, it's it's more beneficial now. Would you say it's more beneficial to you now than, than if it didn't? Well, no, I wish it had never happened, but, <laughs> you know, you do have to try to make something good come of whatever life hands you. So, you know, right now I'm just trying to, see some way to make something good come of it. Right, right. And did you, you know how we've had, we have many people out there that are skeptics or non, not maybe not skeptic, even a non-believer. And do you feel totally different about that now? You know, because there are some um, aliens and beings out there that are really like, Truly, they're there, but they're really off the wall. I mean, really terrifying, and people are going through different things. What would you say to a person? Have you come up against people like that, you know, or or people have come up to give you information like that? What would you say to them? Well, you know, these are people who uh, are trying to uh, talk about an alien agenda in the singular, but uh-huh. actually I, I, I think it would be more accurate to say alien agendas in the plural that sense these beings that are all being lumped into one group called greys actually Mm -hmm. come from multiple planets they would probably have multiple agendas or purposes or whatever but I think uh, in general that they're supposed to abide by a certain uh, non-interference and that you know, if there are some of these, if it's true that some of this really negative stuff is happening, right. they're probably uh, outlaws. Oh, I see. That's a good way of looking at that. That's a good way. And and then also you're saying about any aliens that are out there, even the human-looking aliens. Um, no, I, I'm just no? talking about people who experience negative things. With the graves. 
with with certain types of beings, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, I try not to comment too much on other people's experience because I haven't investigated them, you know. And right. What I, what I ask but having them. having an understanding and speaking with people out there and them coming to you and letting them know, you know, you know what happened to them. And uh, learning these different things, I've I've understood that. Learning more from people out there, what they've gone through, and uh, understand different things that they've gone through, it does open up a whole new world. And you do see, just like you said, there are different forms of gray with different agendas. And I also see there are different forms of um, human-looking aliens, or as I call a lot of them, angels, um have different agendas so yeah. and yeah i see i see that out there and um people have to deal with what happened to them the moments you know that they learn things and also sharing it with other people and i'm happy that you're you're out into the world again and sharing it with people travis because uh, these things have never gone away they're still out among us and they've never gone away and people need to be reminded of it and understand each person's experience so that when, you know, one day it could happen to them. And it will help knowing what has gone on out there in the world and with other people. And I'm happy that you're, you're out there doing that. Well, I don't know what it is yet, but I'll try to make something good come of it. That's <laughs> wonderful. Well, you already have. You're you're a good example to other people in terms of staying, you know, stating your truth, and and staying in that truth. That's a big lesson. No matter what the subject matter is, it could be something unrelated to UFOs, but the truth is so important. Yeah. And so so many people are are not there yet. So, again, for everybody, please go to Travis Walton's website to buy a copy of his great book, Fire in the Sky. This is an updated version of the original book, and you can find this at TravisWalton.com, and Travis can also autograph it for you. Wonderful Christmas present. It's a great book. And, again, I I enjoyed the movie. I know, Becky, you did too, even though there were some things that were Hollywoodized. But uh, but still, it was a great movie, and, again, there's a lot of teaching that goes with all of this. Well, one goal I have is to get a remake of the movie that does stick more to uh, my my present take on uh, understanding of what happened. Well, I hope that happens. I would be lining up to see that, I'm, I can tell you right now. It was good to see that. It was good to see Paranormal Witness. Also, that was an excellent presentation. You were happy with that, correct? Yeah, that was the best that's been done out of dozens over the last 38 years. That's absolutely the best. I mean, they didn't want to include any documentation. It was more about the personal experience but the the interviewer was very good at drawing that out of each of us. None of us got together for that. Everyone was interviewed in separate places, different states, and uh, um, I I actually kind of doubted their intentions because I didn't get the the interview technique. But it, uh, in the end, I I found out that it was going to be the best that it's been done. And I love that series. I think they do an excellent job with all the stories that they report. And and that was that was the only time they devoted ninety minutes to one case. That's right. I've never seen another another paranormal witness that was ninety minutes long. 
And they needed yeah. all those 90 minutes to just even scratch the surface of your story. They really did. Yeah, yeah wow. there's a lot to it. And, again, everybody go buy this book. It's great, Fire in the Sky, The Walton Experience by Travis Walton, and you can find it on his website, TravisWalton.com. Travis, thank and you if, so much. Yeah, okay. Yes. Um, good talking with you. Good night. Yes, thank and you, have Travis. a happy holiday. Yeah. Yes. Bye now. Bye. So that Becky, was wonderful. That was great. Yeah. That was so much fun, and it was so amazing yes. to listen to you two talking about your experiences. <laughs> My goodness, yes. that was wonderful. Oh, thank you. And I enjoyed it so much with Travis, and he does have a lot to say, and it seems to me like he has learned things from this experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, it yes. totally transformed him over a period of time. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's it was really exciting to listen to him tell the story. Yes. Like I said, I know he's told it a million times before because he's been on so many television shows and interviewed all over the place, but he was gracious enough to come and speak with you mainly. Yeah. <laughs> and me secondarily. But, uh, and our was, audience. And our lovely audience. So, yes, yes. this is great. So I just want yes, to mention to you, I know you've got a, a message for someone tonight, right? Yes, I do. And yes, I, I wanted to just say to everybody, we are taking next week off for the holidays, so we're going to have a bit of a break on Supernatural Girls Radio. And we are coming back the first Saturday in January with yes. a medium who's going to be doing live readings on the air for anybody who wants to talk to some dearly departed uh, person because uh, this, this lady is an expert. She's very well known throughout the world, and she's coming to our show to speak with our audience. So if you have questions, you want her to speak with someone on your behalf, this is your chance. So that's the first weekend in January that we're going to be coming back uh, guns a-blazing here with great shows every single week. I know. Week. That's going to be a fantastic start of the year. It will, and we're going to make our big announcement, everybody. We've got big news coming, so make sure oh, you yes. uh, sign up for our newsletter at SupernaturalGirls.com and make sure you keep tuning in because we have some incredible stuff coming for you guys. Absolutely, absolutely. And tonight's message I have is for David. David, David, yes. We have heard your plea. I tell you, return to your family. Yosonaya ta at isi tararana te kahasa. Lariasi ye nanaboko o sholoruti. Noruni nimiakahasa. Ie toa andukukumaha. David, David, we are with you. There's your message, David. And that was so heart-gripping and heartfelt, I'm telling you. I felt it, felt it so deeply when this message was received. And I'm, I'm giving it out to you. Listen to them, David. This is very important for you. That's beautiful. It sounds like a life-saving yes. message. Yes, it, it felt so strong, Patricia. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh my gosh. 
I hope it David has received it. And David, feel free to respond to Becky. Her email is listed at supernaturalgirls.com. Please feel free to uh, to just uh, write to her. Let her know that you got yes. the message and what you've uh, what you've been able to do for yourself because of it. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, Patricia, this was a wonderful show. I enjoyed myself so much. Oh, gosh. Well, you did a great job. It was wonderful to have you and Travis talking together. That was a first, and it was just so exciting for me to sit back and just listen to everything you, you both discussed. So I know our audience enjoyed it just as much as I did. So, again, everybody, happy holidays. Be safe yes. and happy new year and many blessings to everybody for 2014. Yes, absolutely. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Good night, night, Becky. (laughs) (laughs) See you next year. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.